listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast again today. Ted Shuttlesworth with you here. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing this podcast from Louisville, Kentucky. That's where we are right now, holding a revival. And uh, it's been phenomenal. Had tons of people getting saved in these first services and miracles taking place. I'm so excited. God has already begun to move in a supernatural way at the beginning of 2019. And I have a greater expectation for this year than I have had for any other year in the past. And I hope you feel the same uh, for your year. I know God has phenomenal plans for you as well. Before we jump into today's topic, uh, as you saw from the title, we're going to be covering three subtle sins you might be committing. And it's important to keep an eye on your life and make sure that everything you're doing is pleasing unto God. But before we do that, two things I want to talk to you about very quickly. Number one, our brand new edition of Miracle Word magazine is getting ready to ship out. And if you don't get this magazine in your home for free, I want to encourage you guys to sign up to receive a free copy of Miracle Word magazine that is a quarterly magazine packed with all kinds of stuff that'll build your faith and expectancy and build your biblical knowledge and set you on track to do what God's called you to do. In this edition that we sent out, uh, the theme article that we wrote is seven simple steps to making 2019 the greatest year you've ever had in your life. And I show you from the word of God, seven things that you've got to do to make this year your greatest year. My wife, Carolyn, is also writing articles. We include testimonies, all kinds of things to build your faith. So I want to encourage you, if you don't get it, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash mag, M-A-G. And you can sign up right there on the website and get it for free. And we'll mail one out to you as soon as we get your information. And uh, we would love to hear from you guys as well about things you want to hear about or read about in the future. But this magazine will be a massive blessing to you. Number two, and by the way, I'll link that um, that website right where you can go to the sign up for the magazine in the description of the podcast so that you can quickly get to it and sign up if you'd like to receive it. Number two something that we've started uh, this year of 2019 is that I'm sending out personally a weekly email directly to you. And this is content that I don't release anywhere else. This is stuff you can't find on social media. You won't see this on the website. This is stuff that I'm sending directly to you guys on a weekly basis. And of course, we're doing content roundups of everything we're releasing. You'll never miss a beat. And uh, one of the main reasons it's so important to stay connected like this, social media doesn't really properly keep us connected like it used to with all the different algorithm changes and things that they're doing. We may miss each other. You won't see things that we're posting. I won't see things that you're doing. But through email, we can stay connected and never miss a beat. And uh, we have a lot of things to share with you. And I'm doing free giveaways. I actually, um, just last week, for those that are already connected with us uh, by email, I gave out a hundred 
uh, free prayer points um, to people that were on the email list uh, that they could download onto their phone and set themselves up for the new year to pray. And we're always developing new content like that. Uh, And we have stuff that we want to give you, stuff that we want to encourage you with. Plus, here's the other thing, um, offers um, that you won't get anywhere else. We just mailed out... um, a letter to all those that are connected with us. Um, and I know many people are spending the beginning of this year in fasting and prayer. Uh, we have an online course at Miracle Word University that is on answered prayer, four to five hours of teaching on answered prayer. You know, it's important to know how to pray because not all prayers can be answered by God. And so you have to know biblically how to pray to get your prayers answered. And in this last email that we sent out, I gave $20 off the online course for answered prayer to everybody that's connected with us, which takes the course from $69 all the way down to $49 for those that were on the email list. And so we do things like that um, all the time where we're doing giveaways and things because we want to give you uh, you know, valuable content that'll help you in your walk with God. So if you would like to join this weekly list where I'm talking to you on a weekly basis, every single Friday, you're going to get an email from me um, and and just hear about what's going on. I'm going to talk to you about what's on my heart. We're going to give you a roundup of what's out that we've released in the previous week, all of that. You can sign up to receive those emails at miracleword.com forward slash email. And once again, I'll put a link to that in the description as well. And I know uh, that it'll bless you guys and you'll enjoy it. All right, let's jump in today. I wanted to quickly go over these because as I was praying, one of the things that really came to my heart and to my mind is that, you know, obviously we want to order our lives in such a way that our lives are, are pleasing to God. That is key. I mean, if we want the blessings of God, our lives have to be pleasing to God. And one of the promises we have even in the Old Testament is that God won't withhold any good thing from people who walk in righteousness or uprightly. That's Psalm 84 and verse 11. God will not withhold any good thing. And did you know that there are blessings set aside for people who just obey the Lord and obey his word? There are many blessings that accompany obedience to the mighty word of God. And that's just called holiness. That's called righteousness, being obedient to the commands of God. And obviously, if you serve the Lord, if you're a Christian, you want your life to be pleasing unto God. And so one of the things that came to my heart as I was praying today is that there are some sins that maybe people don't even know are sins or things that could subtly gain a foothold in your life that would cause your life to become displeasing to God. And so today I wanted to give you three that are very common, very, very common that I want to make sure you're not making, that you should constantly be checking your life to make sure everything you're doing is lining up with the commands of scripture and that God is pleased with your life. But these three I find are very common and sometimes people don't even know their sins which is a, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit convicts our heart of sin. But what I mean by that is some people have never been taught that these three things are sin. And as I'm going through these today, I want you to take notes, but I want you also to be examining your life. Get introspective. I mean, we're here at the beginning of the year. It's a new season. It's a new time for us to reset and do what God's called us to do with a greater desire to please him than ever before. So as we're going through the word of God and as you're looking at these, I want you to kind of examine your life and see, is the are these three areas 
places where I could change to make my life more pleasing to God and to open up the heavens and see God pour out blessings. Because what happens is, you know, anywhere you allow sin into your life, it begins to destroy your life because sin is a killer. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So sin is a killer. I've covered that in many podcast episodes that anywhere you allow sin to touch your life, it begins to kill that part of your life. If sin is allowed to touch your relationships, they begin to die. If you allow sin to touch your physical body, doing things that are not, um, you know, lining up with God's word, you know, that's very, that's readily seen. You know, if you destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit with drugs, alcohol, you know, all kinds of different things like that, you can see the effects of sin in someone's physical body. If you allow sin to touch your mind, it'll begin to destroy your mind. So wherever you allow sin to remain, sin begins to destroy. And so you've got to remove sin from your life. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, God spoke and said, come out from among them and be separate. And so we have to be separate from this world and we've got to be separated not just from the world, but separated unto God. That's what holiness really is. It is a separation from what is not pleasing to God. So let's quickly jump in uh, to these. Number one, I want you to take out your Bible. And if not, if you have your phone, if you're not driving, don't be dangerous. But like, if you have your phone next to you, look at these verses as well. The first subtle sin that you might be committing And this is one that maybe nobody talks about, but not fulfilling your promises to God. That's number one, not fulfilling or keeping your promises or vows that you've made to God. That's a horrible thing. And I'm going to show you from the word of God that it's a very dangerous thing, but that's something that happens really, you know, a lot of times at the beginning of the year, if you heard my uh, podcast previously for the last few weeks, One of the ones that I did was talking about how to make better and more effective New Year's resolutions. And uh, I gave you that statistic about how crazy it is that people start breaking their New Year's resolutions before January is even over. And I think they determined like something like January the 12th is what they've labeled Quitter's Day because so many people have broken their fitness goals even by the 12th of January. And uh, it's a dangerous thing because what happens with Christians is that when, when they make their New Year's resolutions, many times they're making promises to God or vows to God. And they're saying, Lord, this is a year, uh, you know, I'm going to pray more than ever before. I'm going to pray and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you on a daily basis or Lord, this is going to be a year that I'm going to give and more than ever before. And I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to read your word more than ever before. And they set goals and plans and they make promises to God. Because many times as we're interacting with God, we're saying, God, I pray you're going to do more in my life. And so I'm going to do more for you so that you can uh, interact with me on a more regular basis than ever before. But the problem is, is that many people make promises to God and then they fail to keep the promises that they've made. So I want to show you from the word of God. It's found in Ecclesiastes chapter five. And let me just read you a few verses of scripture, starting with verse one. The Bible says, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Catch this, mindless offerings to God. 
Verse 2, don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth. So let your words be few. Too much activity, this is verse 3, gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. Now look at verses 4, 5, and 6. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. Verse 5 is interesting. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't, verse 6, let your mouth make you sin. And don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. That that would make God angry and he might wipe out everything you've achieved. So he's he's giving us instructions here. And I'll read you verse 7 just for the sake of the finishing this section. Talk is cheap. Like daydreams and other useless activities, fear God instead. He's saying rather than just having cheap talk and cheap promises and things that you say you're going to do with no plan to fulfill or keep the promises, instead fear God. And it's better to say nothing than it is to make a vow or a promise to God and then not keep the promise. When we talk to God, when we make promises to God, we should take this very seriously. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's found in the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we talk to God, when we pray, it should never be flippantly. It should never be lightheartedly. We should be doing it and understanding how serious it is when we talk to, he's not just our father, but the creator of the universe, the only true and living God, the almighty one. When we're talking to him, it's not flippant. It's not, it's not something that means nothing. It's a very serious thing. And when we approach God, it needs to be done in a sober minded way that says, God, when I say these, these things to you, I mean them. When I tell you I'm going to pray more than ever before, I mean it and I'm going to keep that promise. When I tell you I'm going to read your word on a daily basis, I'm going to keep that promise. I'm not going to I'm not going to make that flippantly. When I tell you that I'm going to double down and this is going to be a year I give more than I've ever given to you, I mean that and I'm going to keep my promise. I tell you that I'm going to fast and pray more often throughout the year. I mean that and I'm not going to break my promise. See, and the Bible tells us here, don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. When you make a promise, verse four, don't delay in following through because God takes no pleasure in fools. And so the scripture is telling us seemingly here is that people who just make all these flippant promises to God, but never keep them, God considers them fools, but keep the promises you make to him. It's better to say nothing than to make a promise and to not keep it. I want you to look over your life today and I want to look even just the last couple of weeks that we've been here in January, the final weeks of December. Look over your prayer life. Look over the things you've said to God or written down or made as a plan to God. Have you been keeping the promises that you're making to God? Have Do you have a strategy and a plan to do what you told God you would do? Or is it something you said in passing? Is it something you flippantly said, lightheartedly said? Or is this a serious matter to you? 
I want you to write it down. I want you to look at it and say, God, am I keeping the promises? And take it very seriously. Because when you make a promise to God, I mean, think about how if God was lighthearted in the promises he made to us. Can you imagine if God had the attitude about what he said that some people have? And when you were reading the Bible or reading his word and looking at the covenants and promises he's made, if you went to stand on a promise or stand on a covenant he's made with us and he said, well, you know, I said that, but I didn't really mean it. You know, I hope you don't think I'm going to follow through on healing. I hope you don't think I'm going to follow through on financial blessing. I hope you don't think I'm going to open up heaven and follow through by, you know, giving you peace that passes all understanding. You know, I was just kind of saying that because, you know, in the moment, no, God keeps his promises. And he's created us to be just like him. We were made in the likeness and in the image of God. And we've got to keep the promises that we make to God. You know, God knows that he can begin to trust us when we have a track record of faithfulness to the kingdom. That we do what we say. We carry out the plans and the purposes that God has given us and that we fulfill the promises we've made to God. So number one, the first subtle sin that you could be committing is not fulfilling promises that you've made to God. Very interesting. Number two needs to be talked about, especially in this day and age, and that is allowing gods in your life, allowing other gods in your life. This is also known as the sin of idolatry or having other gods before God. In fact, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number three, God gives this command and he says, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, when we think about this, for the most part, especially when I was growing up, you know, you'd have missionaries come in to your church from other countries and they'd tell you about the cultures of those nations. And they'd tell you about, you know, some of these nations like India are polytheistic. They serve thousands of gods. They have idols. They have statues. You go to these other countries and it looks like, they, you know, there's so many different gods that are available to serve and to worship in those countries. And when we think of idolatry or when we think of people serving false gods, sometimes we think, well, you know, it's it's like Buddha or it's like, you know, Krishna or Shiva or Kali or, you know, it's like these actual false gods. And, you know, I don't have any idols in my house and I don't have any, you know, there's not Buddhas on my shelves. There's not, you know, I don't have these demonic figurines that I'm bowing before and lighting candles. I'm not committing the act of idolatry. I'm not, I'm not serving false gods before God, but I want you to understand It's not just these false personalities or these demonic personalities, but whatever dominates you or is prioritized above God in your life has become your God. Whatever dominates you or is prioritized above God in your life has become a God in your life. You cannot allow other things to dominate you. Now, in this point, we're talking about prioritizing God above all else, above all else. In fact, did you know in the Old Testament that the Bible describes our God as a jealous God, a jealous God? That means that he's a God who requires all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, and he's to come first. He's to come first. God is to be put first in everything you do in your life. And so it's funny to me, like I look, I look across America and talk to people 
And I, and and when I'm talking to them, it's like they're you know they'll claim like, oh man, I'm sold out for God. Yeah, I'm on fire for God. Um, you know, I, I, he's everything to me. I'm he, you know, he's he's my all. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And then you you look at their life, and nothing that they do proves that that's true. You know, nothing that they're doing, you know, backs up what they're saying. You you look at their lifestyle, they don't pray. You know, the average Christian prays less than five minutes a day, if at all. I put that in my first book as a statistic as I did the research on it. You know, the average Christian prays less than five minutes a day, if at all. And that statistic includes the time people spend praying over their meals. So, you know... If the average Christian's praying five minutes, you know, don't tell me that, you know, God's your everything and Jesus is your all and you're sold out. You love him so much with all your heart. I couldn't claim. I want you to think about this in the natural realm. I could not claim that I love my wife with all my heart if I only talked to her for five minutes a day. I wouldn't be able to claim that if I never gave her anything, you know, if I never did anything with her or for her. I couldn't claim that she's my everything, that she's my all, that I've, um, she's got my whole heart, but I never talk to her. I never spend time with her. I never buy her anything. No, I couldn't claim that. And she would know that she's not my everything. She's not my all. She would know, she would clearly know that based upon my actions. You see, people don't read the word. They're telling us now, even uh, people that have trained for ministry that are going to be ministers that have come out of seminary, 90 some percent of them have never read the Bible all the way through. 90 some percent. And these are the people that are going to minister to us. So the average Christian who's not making it their life's work to be a minister is not reading the word of God like they should. So you can't tell me God's number one in your life when the basic things that he's given us like prayer and the word and giving and spreading the gospel and, you know, evangelizing or winning souls is not even being done. You can't tell me that he's number one. I mean, look at the statistics. I do this now. If you've heard me talk about this, I'll do this where I go just to see where people are at. I'll ask them how many how many here watch Netflix. Every hand goes up. I'll say how many have watched one episode of a dramatic show that lasts an hour. Every hand goes up. I'll say how many people in here have watched three shows back to back to back without stopping. Almost every hand goes up. Ninety some percent of hands. Three hours. Stop there. That's three hours of Netflix back to back to back. These are people that work full-time jobs, that have responsibilities, that have children, that have to do things to put food on the table. These are these are adults, you know, and, and they'll raise their hand, three hours. I'll say, how many have watched five episodes, you know, and almost all of them? I'd say 60% of the room lifts their hand. Yes, I've done that. And when it gets down to how many of you watched an entire season of a show without stopping, anywhere between 10 to 20% still have their hand up. So there's people. Go back to the first statistic. Thir- three shows. That's three hours. How many of you done it? Nine, you know, eighty to ninety percent of the crowd has done it. And it's not like they're doing it one time. People binge watch Netflix all the time. People binge watch Amazon Prime or Hulu or you know, any of these things all the time. And there's nothing inherently wrong with watching Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. But the key becomes, is it your priority? Because when you consider the fact that people will spend three hours watching Netflix and five minutes praying or no time reading the word of God on a daily basis, it shows you what they value. It shows you what's number one 
in their life for kids, like people under my generation, people in their twenties and in their teens and in their, you know, even my, my own kids, the biggest thing is YouTube. YouTube is taking over the world for entertainment value as far as gaining watched hours, you know, people, and it makes, and I'll tell you another one that's really huge is Facebook watch or Facebook video. So what ends up happening is you have that watch tab and I've fallen prey to this. Like I didn't even really realize how dangerous it was and how easily you can zone out to this. I came back one night from a meeting and I just laid down in bed and a video caught my eye on the Facebook watch section and I clicked on it and I watched it and their algorithms on YouTube and Facebook are so smart now that go, going beyond the recommended for you section. But now in this, in it, 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 I'm sitting there, I, I watched the video that caught my eye. I'm just like laying on the bed in the hotel room with my phone, caught my eye and I'm just watching it. But what they, what they do to you is as soon as the video is done on Facebook watch, it scrolls up and another video that they're pretty sure you'd like to see pops up right next to it. So it scrolls up and the next one comes right in front of your face and starts playing. And you know, you know, it catches your attention. Yeah. And you know, it's only three minutes. I'll watch it. And as soon as that one's done, it scrolls up and another one. And I'm not lying to you. I looked up after having sat there on the bed, you know, I had meant to get up after the first video and do something in my hotel room. And I look up and an hour and a half has passed that I've just been scrolling and watching these videos that really have nothing to do with anything, you know, really. And, and you're trapped. It sucks you in. They've stolen your attention. And you have to be very careful because that's what can happen. Entertainment can take us over and feed our flesh when we should be feeding our spirit. And you have to say to yourself, am I spending, because, you know, then there'll be people say, man, I'm busy, you know, I don't really, I, I've heard you preach on you know, spending an hour a day in prayer. I just don't know that I have the time to do that. I mean, you know, I got a lot going on, but these are the same people that raise their hand to, that have watched three hours of Netflix in a row. We have time for what we want to have time for. And if something dominates your life, you know, there's, there's workplaces now that have had to black out uh, certain websites on their their servers of of their um, office because it's a proven fact that productivity in offices has gone down since Facebook and YouTube and all these social media outlets have come about. Productivity has gone down, not up, because it's so easy to while you're sitting at your desk, just pop open Facebook real quick to check some things and you get sucked in for 30 minutes when you should be working. So these things have the ability to suck you in and destroy your ability to produce. So don't tell me that you don't have time to pray or read the word of God or, you know, get into his presence when people have time to spend three hours on Netflix or, you know, two hours in YouTube. You know, people have time for what they want to have time for. And you've got to make sure that there are things that are not dominating your life. You know, I saw how serious that was when I started watching my kids because my kids watch YouTube uh, almost exclusively. It's amazing to me that that's like the, the next thing for the next generation of kids is and you may have kids that are listening to this, um, you know, and you watch your kids. And one of the things that makes me laugh is how our kids live vicariously through other people. I was laughing because I'll watch my, my daughter, Brooklyn's five, my son, 
Uh, Teddy is two. Even my daughter Madeline, who's eight years old, I watch they get their iPads out and they're watching YouTube. And I'll go around and watch the other side. They're watching other people play with toys on YouTube. It's crazy. There's whole channels for kids on YouTube where the kids just watch other people play with toys. They don't actually, I mean, like when I was growing up, we used to actually play with toys. Now our kids are watching other kids play with toys and that's their entertainment, watching other kids play with toys. And I, I watched how YouTube grips them and grabs a hold of them and, and how it has to be governed because what ends up happening is, is that when they, you know, let's say we get on a trip or something and there's no Wi-Fi in the car and they can't watch YouTube on their iPads and they're like, then they, they're like, they're like, you know, if you watch your kid throw a fit and you have to correct them and the only reason they're upset is because they can't watch more YouTube. It's like this thing is starting to dominate your life where you're getting upset now because you don't have, it's like a drug. You're starting to have a withdrawal because you can't do it or you can't have it. You know, we're living in a generation that like Wi-Fi is more important than like the availability of food for people. I know kids that would rather play on uh, Xbox Live or on PlayStation, whatever they call their live, um, you know, online and play games that will go into their room on a Saturday and not come out for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. They'd rather just game the entire day. They don't, they're not thinking about food. They're like actually fasting and they don't even know they're fasting because things like video games have dominated their life. You can tell when something's dominating someone's life. And when the Wi-Fi is down, people are freaking out. I've never seen people freak out. At the loss of Wi-Fi. Like, we feel like we're in the tribulation if Wi-Fi is gone. This is how much these things are dominating people's lives. And he, God said, I'll have no other gods before me. They can't be the priority in your life. And then you say you're sold out to me. You don't pray. You don't read the word. You don't spend time in my presence. But you are all about binging the next show. You're all about watching YouTube or whatever else, whatever else it is. You've got to re-examine your life, be introspective and say, am I allowing something to become a God to me so that it, I prioritize it above God, the only true God, and that it dominates my life to the point where I'm having withdrawals or getting upset if I don't have access to it. Allowing other gods in your life is a subtle sin because, just, because we look at it and say, well, the show I'm watching is not sinful. This isn't a bad show. You know, it's not filled with, you know, I'm not watching nudity and, you know, all this other stuff. It's like, it's not sex. And, you know, I'm just watching YouTube videos about, you know, a certain product or what. And so we think because the content is not sinful that we're not committing sin. But when we allow things in our life that dominate us, you know, I'll finish this point by saying, I remember I went to Rama Bible uh, College and that was back when Kenneth Hagin was still alive. If you don't know who Kenneth Hagin is, you've got to look him up. A powerful man of God who really preached faith and brought the word of faith movement alive in the United States of America and has done so much for the body of Christ. He's gone home to be with the Lord, but he's the one who started this Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was actually able to be there for the last two years that he was alive and taught and taught classes. And I remember him telling a story. He said that when he was younger, he worked construction. And he would go back every day. They would walk to the job site and then he'd walk home. And he said he would pass in those days that they used to have these like, um, they were like soda shops. It was almost like you'd go in, they had different uh, sodas on tap, you know, 
and uh, you'd go to the, the local soda shop. Well, he said coming back every day from his construction job, he would pass the soda shop. And he said, well, because it was on the way home, he'd go in and sit down at the at the counter and the guy would he'd get a, um, a bottle of, of Coca-Cola. And he said he did it every day and he'd come past the shop, go in, sit down, order a Coke, drink a Coke. And he said he did that for so long that he started to realize that he could not pass the shop without going in and sitting down. And having a Coca-Cola. And he started to realize that every single day he had to have a Coca-Cola. And he started to realize Coca-Cola was dominating his life because he could not go without it. And he felt a conviction come upon him. He wasn't, you know, it's not like he he wasn't snorting Coke. He was drinking Coca-Cola. You know, it's not a sin to drink a Coca-Cola. But he started to realize Coke dominated his life and he had to have it and he couldn't go past without having it and he couldn't control himself. And he made a decision at a young age. He said from this day forward, because he felt the conviction of the Lord from this day forward, I will never again drink another Coke because I will never allow something to dominate my life the way that Coca-Cola has dominated my life. And from that day forward, he never drank another Coke in his life because of that uh, because of that instance. And that's what I'm talking about. You cannot allow things to dominate your life. You cannot allow things to be prioritized above God in your life. It, re, re-examine yourself and say, is anything in my life coming before my relationship with God? Am I dominated by something? Is it controlling my life? And if it is, today, we're going to pray at the end of this uh, episode that God would empower you to break that yoke. And if you're fasting and praying right now, I pray that that will be the catalyst that's going to break this for you because that's one of the promises of fasting and prayer is that you break every yoke. Every band of wickedness has to be destroyed by fasting and prayer. And the final one that I want to give you today in this episode is making decisions outside of faith. Making decisions in your life that are outside of faith. That's the third subtle sin you might be committing. Let me break it down in case you don't know what I'm talking about. Making decisions outside of faith would be something as easy as making a a decision because you're afraid, making a decision based on fear. And the reason I say this is because Romans 14, 23, Paul wrote to the church in Romans said, whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he's not eating from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. If you study this in context, it also is talking here about when you're not sure, but if you feel convicted about doing something, but you do it anyway, to you, it becomes sin. Whoever knows to do right and doesn't do it to him it is sin so what paul's even teaching here to the to the romans is if you feel that something's wrong but you do it anyway you're sinning so like going back to the story i just told you about brother hagan that it's not a sin to drink a coca-cola but understand he started feeling conviction about taking that action and if he would have continued to go every day and drink the coke to him according to paul it would have been sin because he felt that it was wrong, but he continued to do it. 
See, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So anything you do that's outside of faith is sinful and it's displeasing to God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Get that. If you're going to make God happy, then the actions you take have to be actions of faith. You know, I, I really, really believe this. I know I know a lot of people would look at this and say, well, I don't believe it's that serious. Don't get so overboard on that. No, I, I mean, the Bible is very plain about it. Paul said it in the book of Romans. If it doesn't proceed from faith, it's sin. And then also the writer of Hebrews, some consider to be Paul, others don't. But the writer of Hebrews says that if you don't have faith in what you're doing, you can't please God with those actions. So I take these things that I find in the word of God very seriously. And I take it down to the, to the nth degree. I mean, I'll go all the way down to, you know, if, if I'm giving something, right, if I'm going to give an offering to God, if it doesn't proceed from faith, it's a sinful thing. Do you know God's not required to receive every offering that's given? God does not have to receive your offering just because you put it in the offering plate. Look in the book of Genesis. The Bible said God was looking for an offering, a sacrifice, and Cain and Abel, Adam's two sons, both gave offerings to God, but the Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering and he rejected Cain's offering. Why? Because Cain did not give what God asked for. God was looking for a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, which Abel gave But Cain did not. And so he rejected Cain's offering. You know, it's, you can't say, well, you know, just give God whatever I feel like giving him. No, we don't give God whatever we feel like giving. I don't. I actually ask the Holy Spirit. I'm actually looking to be led by the Spirit in my giving. I want an instruction from God because God knows his plan for my life. He knows what he has planned for me. And he knows what I'll need to accomplish the plan which means he knows what I need to sow in order to get the harvest I need to continue forward. That's why I don't just flippantly fold something up in my hand and throw it in the offering plate. I never flippantly give. And let me go further, not just an instruction from God. I would never give something to God that didn't require my faith. That's why if you're listening to this podcast, be very clear about this subject. If God keeps blessing you, if you've been leveled up, stop giving what used to mean a lot to you that no longer means a lot to you. You know, there's people that they stick with the same offering. They've been given the same thing to God for the last 10 years. God's blessed them and they're now on another level. And the offering that used to mean a lot doesn't mean it anymore. Stop giving $100 offerings to God. If $100 doesn't mean anything to you anymore, I understand it does to some people, but it may not. Don't do something that means nothing to you. Stop giving $1,000 offerings. If $1,000 does not take faith to do anymore, God will level you up to where a $1,000 seed doesn't take the same faith that it used to. You can easily do it now. Don't do something that's easily done and easily forgotten. Do something that takes faith. You know, I had to learn this myself, my wife and I, you know, I don't, I don't get, I don't, uh, you know, I used to do that hundred dollars, you know, when I was real young, that, that meant a lot to me. 
That took faith. I had to pray. I had to step out in faith to sow that money. But it grew, I grew. God increased me. And it doesn't take that. I couldn't, you know, I promise you, I can't give God $100 now. I can't do it. It doesn't take any faith. It takes no faith. We'll go out with a family and other people spend money on dinner that costs more than that. You know, how can it take faith to give God $100 when you spend $200 on dinner when you go out? I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's not the same thing. Don't do something that means nothing to you. $1,000 used to mean a lot to my wife and I when we'd give it to God. It took faith, man. We'd have to step out of faith. It doesn't mean the same anymore. 5000 doesn't mean the same anymore. You have to keep leveling up. When God levels you up, keep your faith leveling up. So do what means something to you. I'll give you an example, even outside of giving, making decisions that aren't based on faith. When I was in Bible school, I'm going to tell you this story and then I'm going to pray for you. When I was in Bible school in uh, 2001, I was in class and the semester had really just started and we got this message that came over the loudspeaker in the classrooms and they told us that uh, something bad had happened and we needed to all come to the church immediately. So everyone in the whole school came into the church sanctuary and they stood up and gave us the announcement that planes had hit the Twin Towers in New York City and that the Twin Towers had fallen. Thousands were dead and this act of terror that against our country had caused a massive tragedy and we began to pray. Well, of course, the country kind of went into panic mode, as you know, and as you remember, President Bush uh, called a joint session of Congress and announced that we were in a war on terror, all this stuff. And I mean, the country was freaking out. My phone was blowing up. People were sending me text messages and, you know, everybody's always checking to see if their loved ones are okay, no matter where people are in the United States. And, you know, I started getting all these messages, you know, people were saying, listen, you better hurry up and run down to the local gas station and fill your car up with gas because, you know, uh, we're on this crisis and, you know, gas is going to run out. And we're going to have issues and you're not going to be able to travel if you need to get out and you need to go. You need to make sure you have plenty. And, you know, people are going to the store stocking up. I mean, in retrospect, you think to yourself, like, why would two buildings falling down in New York City cause there to be a shortage of gas? in Oklahoma. You know, it's just like, doesn't even make sense logically, but this is the stuff that's going through. You know, people are texting you, get, go get your gas, go get your bottled water, get your propane and you better be ready. We're in it. We're in a bad, this is a big deal and all this. And I remember, you know, I'm praying this is like a dummy. I'm shooting down, you know, I, I leave school, jump in my car. I'm speeding down to the local gas station. I'm praying, oh God, I pray in Jesus name. Let there be gas for me. Oh God, I pray. Oh, I, Lord, make sure, take care of your servant, Lord. Let there be gas available for you. And I'm praying. And this, by the way, was when gas in, in Oklahoma was 98 cents a gallon in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 98 cents a gallon. And I'm speeding down there. Oh, God. And the people that ran the gas stations weren't dumb. They knew what was going on. They had already hiked up the price of gas already. Like, literally, it's been an hour since this happened. And they've already got the prices up to three over $3. So 300% markup that they're, they've got for, for, uh, for gas. And there's a line. I mean, there's a long line for, for gas. And I'm just, oh, God, make sure there's gas for me. And I went and pulled up got out of my car. I was so happy when I, oh, thank God there's gas available for me. And I'm just pumping that $3 a gallon gas into my tank, just throwing my money away. 
Why was I doing? Why was I down there getting gas? Why was I waiting in that line? Why was I praying and hoping I could get gas? Fear, not faith, fear. Fear that I wasn't going to be taken care of, that things weren't going to be okay. You know, out there, oh God, help, you know, panic praying, what I call panic praying, praying in fear. And I went home so happy. Oh, thank God. I got my $3 gas. My My tank is full like a stupid person. And I come back the next morning, September the 12th, 2001, come out of my apartment complex and I pass the same gas station and gas is back down to 98 cents a gallon and there's no line. What happened? Well, first of all, I lost money I shouldn't have lost because I made a decision based on fear, but I allowed the report of the world to govern my actions rather than allowing the report of the Lord to govern my actions. And it wasn't just that I lost the money. It was sinful because it was me operating in fear, not in faith. And I'm there, I'm turning my back on God who promised to take care of me, promised to protect me, promised to watch out for me, but I didn't believe he would because of a tragedy that had hit our country a thousand miles away. And you understand the third subtle sin that you might be committing is making decisions outside of faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And the Bible says you can't please God without faith. These three subtle sins that can creep in easily, not fulfilling your promises to God, number one, allowing things to dominate your life and become gods in your life is number two, and making decisions outside of faith is number three. I'm gonna pray for you right now and ask God that he would strengthen you. And I'm sure as I was giving you this today, I'm sure things are already pricking your heart. You feel convicted about certain things. They may have come to your mind while we were talking today. That's all right, we're gonna pray. God's going to forgive you and you're gonna set yourself on track to please God in 2019 like you never have before. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person that's listening to this episode today. Lord, if any of these three things have infiltrated their life and caused their life to become displeasing to you, I pray today that you would strengthen them and that every one of these things would be removed from their life by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray specifically here for number two first, that anything that's been in their life that has dominated their life, I pray that a conviction would come upon them, but strengthen them, Lord, and and furthermore, give them a hunger and a desire to prioritize your presence in their life, to read your word, to pray, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to give, to fast, and give us a hunger and a desire to get closer to you than we've ever been before in Jesus' name. Anything that dominates our life. We thank you, Lord, that you're breaking that domination today in Jesus' name. Anything that we're doing that's outside of faith, Lord, today we pray that you'd give us a conviction in our heart that every decision we make would be made in faith. Every seed we sow will be sown in faith. Things that take faith because we're faith people will do what takes faith in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let me remind you one more time before we go, if you've not gotten our magazine in the mail and you'd like to receive it, go to miracleword.com forward slash mag, M-A-G, mag, and I'll put that link in the description of the podcast, and I want you to get involved with this weekly email that we're sending out. I want to be in contact with you. I don't want you to miss one thing. I want you to be able to get the giveaways, all the things that we're doing on a weekly basis. Sign up today, miracleword.com forward slash 
email and let's stay in contact with each other. I've got things to talk to you about, things to send you. I love you guys. Don't forget until Wednesday, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 